politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American taxpayers and good natured, good, peaceful, loving Americans who have been left behind by our political class. This is the Conservative Review podcast in here for a new week, an abbreviated week um, at that. Uh, I will be out Wednesday, um, as my whole team will be out Wednesday. I certainly apologize for that. I hear the groans, so it will just be today and tomorrow. But certainly, as always, we will try to pack a lot into this week. It's Monday, November 25th, and I know we all have a lot to be thankful for on this Thanksgiving week. Uh, It is already really quiet. Uh, There's something about this industry that just shuts down this week, almost like Christmas and New Year's. Um, and it seems to be expanding more and more every year. But the thing is, if you guys follow the beats that we follow here, you never really have a down cycle in the news cycle. Obviously, if everything is the soap opera, the impeachment or anything similar to that, well, this week they're off, so there's nothing to talk about. But the same things we talk about our civilization, our national security, immigration, sovereignty, security, the border crime um, could be healthcare military strategy this stuff goes on (laughs) Uh, just because it's a holiday week doesn't mean things haven't changed and um, I just must say first off just to segue from Friday's show terrific show with Alabama's Attorney General Steve Marshall if you haven't heard it make sure you watch on YouTube or listen on iTunes subscribe to both um We do need to juice up our video numbers as well as the audio. So even if YouTube is not your thing, go to our CR YouTube page and subscribe. Uh, But one of the things that that was very interesting that came out from that show is that 80% of all arrests that that Marshall said that his team made in a relatively rural county in northeastern Alabama 80% 80% were illegal aliens. Very interesting uh, um, point, and I might do an article just highlighting that, but if you haven't heard the show, make sure you hear it. But I want to start off a little bit with jailbreak, and then I want to segue into a good form of jailbreak that Trump is doing that I back him wholeheartedly. Very interesting. I know I caught your attention there. Yes, I support jailbreak in certain cases. Um, and then if we can get this back to immigration, if we have time, if not, we'll, we'll cover tomorrow. All right. So one of the things I'm thankful for is that I still have this microphone. As much as our culture is going down the tubes, our, our legal framework, our constitutional republic is just non-existent. We still do have freedom of speech. And, and frankly, you know, if I were in any other country, I'd be shut down as a for hate speech and whatever else. And I'm certainly thankful that we have this platform to make our rounds, to get get the voice of the people out, the voice of those that just want to be left alone. They don't want to be overtaxed and overregulated. They don't want their markets distorted. But all you want is government to do its core job of keeping us safe at a local level from criminals, at a national level from illegal aliens and terrorists, that's all you ask for. And one of the things I am thankful this this year is um is to Drudge. Uh, you know, I don't know why, but he's taken a liking to some of my writings. I know he's been on a very anti-Trump kick lately, 
Um, but he also does like chaos, I guess. And he put up my article on Friday about Oklahoma. And this has really made its rounds. And I know we have a lot of listeners from Oklahoma that appreciate finally, you know, you're sitting there in this red state that no Democrat has carried a single county on a presidential level since the year 2000. And yet you have a jailbreak there, this this uh, open the prison floodgates movement is just as strong as it is in San Francisco. And now you are having the results of those policies mimicking that of San Francisco, the homelessness, the drugs, the rampant theft, now that they've downgraded theft there. And, you know, some of you are just feel kind of disenfranchised that you have a Republican state with Republican politicians agreeing with Soros and the far left. So I was honored to give voice to that. And I'm glad that Drudge put it up. It was widely distributed. And people need to hear this. People need to understand that after 20 years of crime going down in the state of Oklahoma, it is now going up. And these people have the nerve to look us in the eye and say, I don't know what you're talking about. The crime is low. Uh, You know, we need to let people out of jail. Utter nonsense, utter nonsense. And we have some pretty amazing statistics just just to demonstrate this here. Um, If you look at what's going on, just in a general sense in Oklahoma, if, if you just take the FBI's uniform crime report, and that includes, by the way, 2018 things turning down, which I, I'm almost positive 2019, which we're almost done with, will turn up. But even with that downward uh, bend for one year, if you take uh, a period of time from 2014 to 2018, it will come out that if you just look at Tulsa, Oklahoma, okay, violent crime has been up 12.3%. Since 2014, aggravated assaults rose by 17.7%. Murder has risen by 35%. And um, vehicle theft has increased by 24%. I'm sorry, that, that's statewide. That is all statewide. I was you know, eyeballing the wrong thing there. That's statewide. You look at Tulsa, it's even worse. Murder is 30%, rape 22%, aggravated assault 36%. Larceny is up 10% and motor vehicle theft up 38%. See, this stuff goes on even now. And and frankly, now that Thanksgiving has become nothing more than Black Friday in this country, um, there's going to be a lot of theft going on and violence going on. And, uh, and, And these people think we need to open up to prisons. And again... Even the low-level things, low-level crimes could be pretty devastating. So now that they've downgraded um, all these uh, you know, theft and, and drugs the same way San Francisco or California at large did, according to the Oklahoma Bureau of Investigations, um, theft rose statewide. Um, I'm sorry, theft rose in Oklahoma County. That's um, you know, Edmond, Oklahoma City, the big urban area. Uh, or the biggest urban area you have in the state by more than 7% just in one year. Um, Statewide, there's problems with retail theft all over the place. Uh, The sheriff's office in Oklahoma County noted, quote, it's basically just a free-for-all right now through portions of Oklahoma County. 
And now they're finding inmates bragging about how they communicate with their networks of thieves. They have all these networks now where they literally will come with a calculator to ensure that there is less than $1,000 worth of theft. Exactly like we're seeing in places like San Francisco. Same thing. You know, stupid policies with, you know, very predictable outcomes. The Oklahoma District, um, Jason Hicks, the president of the Oklahoma District Attorneys Association, warned that the homeless population is exploding. And he said, quote, the comments that they that they're getting back is we're moving into Oklahoma because we know that we're not going to get into any trouble and we can do our drugs and do it all day long. And there's no consequences for that. And think about it, like we noted, most people in prison aren't there very long and they're there for serious things. Even the few that are sentenced for drug crimes, often they plead down from serious crimes. We say this all the time. Um, that We had uh, Rafael Manuel on last week, and he noted that in Baltimore in 2017, that the average murder suspect, guess what? He had nine prior arrests. 70% had prior arrests for drugs. According to a survey of 400,000 released state prisoners, the most comprehensive study on recidivism by the Bureau of Justice Statistics under the, the Department of Justice, more than 75% of those who were released after serving time for drug charges were subsequently rearrested for non drug charges. So that's who's doing this stuff. So if you go and, and, and release drug traffickers, you're going to get a lot more of drugs, but a lot more of everything else as well. And already under current practice, before the increased jailbreak that they want, I mean, they, they, they want to do more now, bipartisan support in Oklahoma for this, a five-year sentence or even up to 10-year sentence, according to Jason Hicks, this uh, uh, um, state's attorney there, those folks are serving a very, very small amount of time. In fact, you're going to serve roughly 90 days on a 10-year or less nonviolent crime. And if you haven't done anything else, you're getting an ankle bracelet and getting sent back home. That's under this draconian over-incarceration system that they're talking about, not under what they want to implement. So this stuff continues to march on. Every day we continue to see endless Americans victimized by known criminals who should have been locked up. And that continues. Again and again and again. I, I just want to note, um, because the family, or I, I don't know who this is, but there's an account on Twitter. I'm assuming it's legitimate. Justice for Riley, if, if you guys are... Um, uh, involved with this. If you're listeners to this show, you can email me at dharwitz at blazemedia.com. But I appreciate, um, you know, from this account, they were tweeting out my article. And I noted in, in April, I did a story on Oklahoma where, you know, you had this family. It was April 19th, Riley Ewald. Um, she was an eight year old girl enjoying a car ride with her parents on the way back from uh, taking their dog to a vet. I think it was a Friday night. Um, and when they were struck by a speeding stolen vehicle driven by Andrew Munoz and Diana Alvarez. Yes, you have a lot more of that going on in Oklahoma, by the way, southeast uh, Oklahoma City. 
in particular, lots of illegal aliens, or these guys weren't illegal, but I'll bet you anything they finagled themselves into some sort of status. Anyway, Riley and her mother Tanya died in the crash, and her dad Eric um, had a broken pelvis, uh, broken ribs, broken jaw, damaged spine. They had a GoFundMe page. I don't know whatever happened in the end there. Um, but basically, this guy, uh, Andrew Munoz, he was driving the car. He was pulled over by uh, city police for driving violations. He pretended to slow down, and then he gunned the engine and um, ran through a stop sign and then eventually plowed into this family SUV, killing Tanya and Riley. And, I, and, and you know, they caught the guy. Of course, the vehicle was stolen. He had firearms. He had methamphetamine in there. Um. But here's the deal. I looked up this guy's record at the time. And basically, he had a 10-year criminal history of every single criminal act committed that night. Theft, drugs, firearms, right? And driving violations. His record was full of it since 2011. He was convicted of running from police, distributing drugs, um, un unauthorized vehicles, you know, a.k.a. stolen vehicles, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, he only served probation for his most recent vehicle theft and served just five months on drug charges before being released. That guy is the rule, not the exception. I don't know what world the political elites live in, but in the world you and I live in, this is the typical case. And those are the typical guys that are arrested and cycle in and out. And those are the typical people that wind up killing other Americans. But um, there you have it. There you have it. So that was the Oklahoma piece I just wanted to go over with you. But I want, I want to transition to something really, really important that I haven't talked about enough i've mentioned a little bit the case of ellie uh, eddie gallagher um the navy seal a decorated navy seal uh, commander who was prosecuted and uh, you know facing potentially life in prison eventually found not guilty trump really intervened in this case and i want to say the one thing i do want to give the president credit for i've beaten up on him a lot for giving into jared and joining in with this stupid jailbreak of drug traffickers and criminals and everything but at least he is not suffering from the hypocrisy of everyone else in the political class who at the same time, they want to um, basically abolish prison. They want to lock up our most decorated warriors for killing the enemy. I joke around a lot that we're rapidly descending into a period of time where the only people who will be in prison are those engaged in self-defense or, you know, some of our warriors being prosecuted for serving over time. And let me tell you, if there is one area where we do need criminal justice reform in the sense and in the meaning of that term that the political class uses, meaning more lenient sentencing, more lenient prosecutions, it's in the military system, where we basically have a system now where we send our soldiers overseas in undefined aimless missions, we send them to engage in social work in a combat zone, not wars, but not social work, 
social work in a combat zone, the worst of all, where they're not on offense, but they're not behind defensive lines at a forward operating base. They're precariously patrolling, you know, where everyone is deemed by default a civilian, but anyone at any point could come out and just kill them. And they set IEDs, they set bombs off, they kill their fellow soldiers. And then when, we're caught, when, when they retaliate and kill them, they get prosecuted for war crimes. This has been the dirty underbelly of the so-called war on terror, this trend. We have nothing to show from these failed, pathetic generals, pathetic Pentagon brass, other than over 50,000 wounded, almost 7,000 killed, endless lives ended or permanently uh, incapacitated. God knows how many suffer from PTSD. We have nothing to show for it other than Iran being empowered, our military being depleted, the morale being in the toilet, and our best soldiers being prosecuted. That's what these pathetic generals have pointed out, have done to us. Now, one of the most amazing things that Trump has ever said, most out-of-the-box, truest statements he's ever delivered that so many others have failed or are too scared to articulate, is um, in September 2006, when Trump and Hillary were at this public forum, this town hall forum that was called the Commander-in-Chief Forum. So they focused on the military foreign policy. Um, this was during the general election. And Trump said um, at the time, and this was so, so true, generals have been reduced to rubble. They have been reduced to a point where it's embarrassing to our country. And he got clobbered for that. But I, I, I said at the time, that was one of the best things he's ever said. And truthfully, one of the things he's been really consistent about is that, look, I have my issues with, with Trump's personal morality on some of the things he's done in his life. And I think we all do as, as those that try to walk in biblical values. Um, he has always had a strong sense of justice. And he has always understood this insanity of what we do to our soldiers. Now, unfortunately, like everything else, sometimes Trump is confused and it takes him a few years to get his bearings where he downright elevated some of these generals like Mattis to top civilian cabinet positions who are part of the problem. But basically, we have this situation where we have generals that and pretty much anyone above the level of lieutenant colonel nowadays. You cannot get there. You cannot get a promotion unless you are a leftist. The same way HUD and the EPA and the Department of Justice were full of leftists, the military, this past generation, the top brass, they're a bunch of left-wing politicians that all they are there for is they support gender-bending crap when the Marines put out a painstaking study showing that, that females in infantry really degrade um, combat readiness. They ignored it. They shoved them in there. Um, not only did they go along with with Obama's transgenderism, which is so dangerous and insane to have people that have such a high proclivity to uh, commit suicide, to handle munitions, um, much less just the, the social logistical nightmare at, at a time when we're trying to fight wars. They, they actually rebelled against Trump when he said he's going to reverse the policy. How do you have generals like that? None of them are raising a, 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 
any concerns about the lack of, of a mission. No, these guys are rebelling against Trump every time he says, look, what are you doing in Syria? What are you doing in, in Afghanistan? No, no, we have to stay there. We have to stay there. Why? What are you doing? I don't know. But then they keep them there. OK, you think, all right, they're just like pedal to the metal. Just keep them in Afghanistan. So they're going to be warriors. No. Then they turn around, put them in precarious, untenable situations, and then they prosecute our soldiers for being put into these like just just lose lose situations. These people are the worst human beings alive. Now, one of them was the current Navy secretary. And um, this guy, thank God, was forced out by Trump. And I think he deserves a lot of credit. This guy, Richard Spencer, was forced out. And then he issued a statement uh, at the end. Um, this just came out. I cannot in good conscience obey an order that I believe violates the sacred oath I took in the presence of my family, my family, my flag, and my faith to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Yeah. Um, so this is a guy, basically, um, as you well know, Eddie Gallagher was just locked up in the brig for for over a year um, almost two years again they're sent to the battle of mosul urban warfare where you have to target only the terrorists and he basically was accused of killing a 15 year old isis boy which i said at the time even if it were true given the circumstances you cannot prosecute them in this situation but he was found innocent in the end but he was found guilty on posing with a isis corpse I mean, this is what we're doing. And this happened all the time in Afghanistan. This, this was in Iraq, but it happened to our guys in Afghanistan. In addition, on November 15th, there were two other cases the president pardoned. Um, Army Major Matthew Goldstein, Goldstein, a decorated Green Beret, he faced a murder trial um, basically for killing a Taliban bomb maker who um, was responsible for killing two Marines. Um Two, by the way, two more soldiers died last week in Afghanistan. And Lieutenant Clint Lawrence, um, I believe he was um, regular army, was convicted in 2013 in the murder of two unarmed fighters in Afghanistan and was serving a 19-year sentence. Trump gave them a full pardon. Um, so basically, they were going to have a review board of these two, as well as Eddie Gallagher, to... Um, determine their fate within the military. So, you know, the... Obviously, Trump pardoned the criminal charges and Trump intervened as commander in chief and said, no, we're not doing this crap. We're not doing these review boards. They will have, you know, Eddie Gallagher in his case, he reinstated his rank of chief petty officer because um, they were going to um, demote him. They were also threatening to take away his trident pin so he would retire without being called a Navy SEAL. And he said, you better not do that. And thank God we have him as commander in chief and. You know, I think he really has been solid here. He really has stepped on the line. Um, he said last Memorial Day or right before Memorial Day, some of these soldiers are people who have fought hard long. You know, we teach them how to be great fighters. And then when they fight sometime, they get really treated very unfairly. Um, and good, good for him. So he forced this clown out. Um, Secretary of Defense Mark Epser on Sunday announced that. But again, Mark Epster, I'm not very impressed with him. He just did it because he was upset that that Spencer, the Navy secretary, went behind his back and negotiated with the White House to try to come up with a plan to keep his trident pin, but still 
have this review board, which the White House rejected. But, you know, from what I see from from Secretary of Defense Epser and Joint Chief of Joint Chief of Staffs uh, had um, Miley. Because Miley expressed some sort of concern about, oh, the pardons, you know, he was initially against them in the meetings, according to the media sources. Oh, it's going to harm our um, our standing with some, some people overseas. And I'm thinking. Really, I mean, this is the mentality of these generals now. And it's all born out of the lack of strategy that we don't put them in the right battles. We're forever flinging out our troops precariously, walking on eggshells in the Arab world. So they're worried about what the Arab street's going to think and what the Afghani government and what Baghdad's going to think. So we're going to throw our own soldiers under the bus for the stupid vermin, goat blankers, and pedophiles in the Afghani government try to abide by the uh, you know FCC standards here even though we're not governed by it but anyway you know it's the same reason why most of the top military brass is anti-israel too because like israel's harming our standing with the arabs screw off you know that's the problem with these generals they're so pro-islamic their pro-homosexual agenda they they allow this culture of animus against cr- christianity to take root in the military. It's a whole nother story. The secularism of the military, except when it comes to Islam, of course. It's a huge problem in the military these days. This swamp needs to be drained, and I'm glad Trump is doing it now. And you know what? Now's the time for all of them to leave. The, the media has all these articles about though this, this growing disquiet about Trump's like cowboy mentality on, on discipline and order in the military. He's just, you know, overriding their decisions. Well, you know what? If you don't like it, leave. Now is the time for him to fire all of them. All of them need to be fired. That's what needs to happen. We need to rebuild the military leadership, Pentagon leadership. Because this is a huge problem. This is indefensible. They want it all. They want endless involvement in these theaters. No understanding of what the mission is. Terrible rules of engagement. Prosecute our own soldiers. I mean. What's the point? Oh, and then all the all the while, I guess we only have the um, military so we could have female pregnant Navy SEALs. One um, former female Marine, um, I, I don't like that, I shouldn't say former, um, retired female Marine, um, Jude Eden once wrote an article for us noting how um, basically these are the same generals that created a military that is, quote, more ready for motherhood than for warfare. We have a big problem here. And I know a lot of people are too scared and want to speak out against the military, but the military leadership has been rotting away. It culminated under the Obama era. And and good for Trump. If we're going to release the most violent prisoners because of criminal justice reform, then yes, this is exactly what a pardon is for. Even if you legitimately think they did do something wrong, but people that put it on the line under very harsh circumstances, that is what it's for. And frankly, in my view, all these cases were BS anyway. So good for him. But I want to note one very important thing. 
it's been noted in, in a lot of media reports on these pardons and the whole Eddie Gallagher case. And then the recent, you know, sudden pardoning of, of Matthew Goldstein and um, Clint Lawrence. That much to the chagrin of Trump's own appointees, much less the swamp in the Pentagon. This was done in a very unorthodox way. Basically, a bunch of, you know, maybe some conservatives, media figures got on Fox. The families, friends had a direct line to Trump and Trump just acted and they were appalled by that. And you know what? I've said this before, but this is the most positive attribute to the president. There's so many areas where we really feel we've been betrayed, where the, the MAGA promise has not been delivered. But I think one area where he really shows and demonstrates this out-of-the-box thinking that we all long for and hope for is that he is willing to just go through unorthodox channels. And, you know, I'll override the political class. And, hey, you know, a military family is coming to me and saying they're being persecuted. I'm going to look into this. I think this is garbage. What does that demonstrate, folks? It demonstrates that the president's instincts on most issues are where us classical conservatives are. Moral, justice, law and order conservatives are. But you just got to ask the guy. You got to get in his face. A couple of people, their lives are on the line. The families have found a way to get to the president. And, and it worked out. We need to act on this on all issues. And act like our lives, our country is on the line. And we need to get to the president. And that's the thing. Don't take stupidity out of this administration as if you have to sit and take it. Oh, I don't want to criticize the president. No, get in his face. He'll more than likely agree with you. That, that is the um, lost opportunity of the last three years on the part of this phony conservative movement. We have the power to get to him. Imagine if you would have had that with the First Step Act and this whole jailbreak. The president would have been, yeah, this is stupid. I'm not doing this. And we know now from a lot of reports, and I, I know them to be true, the president th thought it was stupid all along. But again, the pressure is in one direction. If he doesn't see any countervailing force, it's very hard for him to get involved. I mean, this was a very tough nut to crack to step on the military brass and override them on these issues. And he was willing to do that. So I give the president a tremendous amount of credit for this. Tremendous amount of credit. But I'm just telling you that, you know, you see the president does have a sense of justice, of criminals, bad guys, terrorists. You know, our soldiers are fighting terrorists. Why are we prosecuting them? I think in the same way, he would be open to our views on criminal justice in general. But people got to him and said, no, you don't understand. These like these stupid crimes like Paul Manafort, you know, you're being persecuted too. runaway prosecutions. They, they tied it into white collar stuff and political crimes. So the president went along with something that that let out transnational gangbangers and, and drug traffickers and who inevitably do worse things as well. But this is the lesson. There is so much more we could gain with the president. As I say all the time, the president's election wasn't recovery, wasn't a, a touchdown. It was a recovering possession of the ball. You got to direct him to make the plays and he's willing to make the plays. But if you just sit back and like, hey, we won, we won when we didn't win, thinking you have the, the ball in the end zone and we're all making the end zone dance. Well, he'll, he'll be left to his own devices. He'll fumble the ball. He'll get sacked. Um, because there is no team there to 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 help him. 
there's no good offensive lineman. And, and that's really, to me, the powerful lesson. But I just wanted you guys to, to remember this. Our military leadership has re- been reduced to rubble. These are the same guys that send our guys into a meat grinder with no uh, winnable mission, no understanding of what the mission is. These are the same guys who wouldn't understand the threat of our border if it hit them in the face. They don't understand the threat of China. They use our military where it's not a threat. It's become a whole military industrial complex there. And then they prosecute our guys. They're obsessed with women in every single aspect of infantry and combat. They're obsessed with the homosexual agenda in the military, the secularization of the military. I mean, these guys, I'll never forget, we had, um, what's his name? Darn, I'm forgetting it now. Jared was his name. Jared, uh, Jared, uh, Jared Jackson. And he was running for Congress in Oklahoma, but he was a captain in uh, um, company commander in in Afghanistan. And he always said on our show, when we used to have him on, the military generals at this point are more political than the politicians. So Trump really needs to double down on this. Fire them all. Force them to resign. Clear out the ranks. I don't care if you have to find good flag officers to just promote to general. Go do it. Go do it. I'm sure you can find some really good hardened um, majors and lieutenant colonels to just promote if that's what needs to be done. But friends, I mean, this affects who we are. I mean, we, we always debate and it's happening now with the CR and the budget. Oh, do we have seven hundred eighty seven billion for for um defense or 815 billion or 818 billion and it's all about the money but it's the policies and the systemic culture and leadership of our military that really matters to our future that's what really matters so that's where we are kind of closing the loop on jailbreak you know this culture of jailbreak one area where we actually need it is with the prosecutions of the military, and kudos to the president for uh, for really showing consistent leadership on this issue. Now, there's a pair of Florida cases. Oh, just, just one point I wanted to come out with. We have an article I'm going to link to in show notes that Nate Madden wrote here at Conservative Review. Price tag for war on terror is $6.4 trillion and growing. They factored in, this is Brown University, um, Watson Institute of International Public Affairs. They took into account not only the cost of military military operations in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Syria, but um, other countries as well, costs incurred by Department of Homeland Security, um, and then the cost of taking care of the medical and disability issues facing the veterans. A lot of people forget that. that veterans is not included in defense. That's actually non-defense discretionary spending. Um, as, as it's labeled, six point four trillion. Six point four trillion. That is two trillion more than the entire U.S. federal government spent in fiscal year twenty nineteen. What do we have to show for it? Any CEO of a company who would spend that much money and have these results, it would be an accounting. 
there needs to be an accounting. And, 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 you know, I don't even blame anyone, President Bush, Obama. I mean, for certain things I do. But as you can tell, it's really ironically been this deep state Pentagon that is quite bipartisan and runs the gamut of all sorts of administrations. It never changes. And you're seeing even under this administration, every time Trump wants to move in a different direction, wants to stop the transgender stuff, he wants to stop the prosecution of, of our best warriors. And when he wants to finally stop having our soldiers being placed into a meat grinder and focus them on more, more where they're needed, they, they, uh, they oppose this. Remember the... Um, Remember the shows we did with Colonel Dan Steiner? Remember the shows we did with him? Where he talked about how if we only invested in our R&D, on our air assets, and our air superiority, and we used that, $6.4 trillion, the stuff we could have done with our border, with asymmetrical warfare with China, and also, yes, with hardware, but, but, but state-of-the-art hardware, owning the skies and the seas without getting involved in these heavy land rebuilding operations inside of Islamic civil wars. Could you imagine where our standing would be, um, how our, our military resolve and resources and fighting men wouldn't have been depleted had we been doing this the past 18 years? $6.4 Maybe some of it you could say it was go going into good things too, but overwhelmingly the heavy cost is on the rebuilding and the endless occupations and um running the waters and sewer and and roads and Kabul and Raqqa and Baghdad and Mosul and Tikrit it's it, it I, mean, I mean these are the civilization killing things you know I wanted to talk about in the coming days how China is just killing us new reports out from the Senate Homeland Security Committee on up to 10,000 Chinese having penetrated working in sensitive R&D fields for, you know, military contractors. The espionage. We spend trillions fighting overseas, engaged in help, falling on our swords for, for Sharia law, rebuilding Islamic countries while prosecuting our soldiers. Also, we have open borders endless Middle Eastern migration, endless Chinese foreign students and migration, endless espionage in our own country. Could you have conjured up in your worst nightmares a more dyslexic national security policy than that array and amalgamation of policies? But that's where we are. Anyway, we're running out of time. I wanted to do a whole thing on Florida. I have two Florida stories, but we only have time really for, um, for one. I have an article out today on yet another American killed on our roads by an illegal alien in Fort Lauderdale. Um, this show is dedicated to James Zakos, 70-year-old retired uh, Floridian, who will not be home to celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas, Christmas with his family this year because, um, because we don't enforce our own laws. Ulysses Mondragon Umanzor, 30, an illegal alien from El Salvador. He was arrested for running a stop sign, driving a forklift um, for this subcontractor of this company there. 
that was engaged in construction. This guy, so he crushes him, then he drives another block, doesn't even stop, doesn't return to the scene of the accident, doesn't call 911 like they always do. And it turns out in this case, this man had a massive history. I only, I, I bet he has a history in other counties, but I couldn't find it. So I only looked up Palm Beach County. He had at least three arrests and convictions for driving without a license. One case driving with an open container of alcohol. He was arrested um, one, one, another time caught driving without a license, 20, 2011, 2012. He was caught arrested for possession of cocaine, 2012. 2016 September he was again caught without driving uh with without a license in May 2018 just a year ago he was caught of course without a license driving around a barricade how does a guy like this cycle in and out of court and never be detected i've said this again i'm going to say it today the trump administration needs to work out a scheme with the states, not just sanctuaries, because remember, Florida is not a sanctuary now. Now, this might have been the result of Palm Beach being a sanctuary before. I'm not sure. But I told you this happens all the time. Even when they're not um, sanctuaries, often they're pulled over. Sometimes they're only issued a citation. Maybe they are arrested, but they're not held. ICE is not necessarily going to know about it. There's no reason why every time any person interacts with a police officer from a is detained by a police officer or interacts with a county court that we should determine their citizenship and that's it and this is something i pushed on to the governor's office and what i note in this article a friend of mine um who's also a listener jason thank you for uh, sharing this with me noted a very interesting point here we already are required to do that ironically for the benefit of the alien under the um what's it called the vccr the vienna convention on consular relations anytime uh, a foreign national is detained by our law enforcement we're supposed to notify that um consular and the consular officials uh, that their person has been detained just, you know really for their own good good use so that the the consulate could get involved and maybe help them so if it's good enough for the better benefit of the alien, it should be good enough for the benefit of our communities and our citizens. Wait a minute. You're driving without a license. Oh, what country are you a citizen of? Oh, El Salvador, you're out of here. Give them over to ICE. We noted so many times the drunk drivers, but often like other things, they're caught driving without a license. Because again, if you are breaking one law, you're usually a bad person. And you're doing bad things and you're on the wild side. You're driving without a license. You're often driving drunk. You're often doing other things. I noted a Florida case we wrote about in September, also in Palm Beach County. There was this guy that that was charged um, with an insane amount of uh, child sex offenses, molestations that took place over the course of many years. And, I, and, and the abuse of these children could have been prevented because this guy also was caught like three different times driving without a license. How does that even happen? In this case, by the way, with this guy, the guy from this Mondragon guy, he even had his license preemptively suspended by the court. In other words, 
He never had one, but they suspended him from ever getting one. How does that happen with an illegal alien? Like, oh, an illegal alien put on a sex registry. An illegal alien said, well, well wait a minute. I mean, I mean, the guy needed an interpreter in court. How is he still here? There are so many people that die for no reason. Again, I understand like an American caught driving without a license, you're not going to hold the guy for long. You're not going to hold him at all. I mean, it's just a reality. So you can't say, oh, you know, it could have been prevented because he could have been locked up. But a guy like this, for sure. I'm going to continue speaking out for the names of these victims who are needlessly victimized and the families who have loved ones needlessly lost whether it's from jailbreak, whether it's from criminal aliens until we, we, we get this started. And then, and then finally, one other point just to end off with here. This company he worked at, Scanza USA, where he, he worked for a subcontractor of that. It's called Cast One in the police report. How in the world does an illegal alien who doesn't have a license, who has such a criminal record with driving violations, and also you need a, another license, a special license to... Um, drive heavy machinery and he didn't have one how in the world does a guy like that get a job so obviously there needs to be a criminal investigation into this company but over and beyond that ron DeSantis is pushing very hard in florida uh, in the coming legislative session and in, in basically six weeks from now five weeks from now a mandatory e-verify and i i'm telling you if you had mandatory e-verify and it would be enforced it's not just an issue with wages. A lot of people focus on the wages. You know, they're depressing wages is for the betterment of, of the American worker. But it also prevents so much needless murder because so many of these bad dudes, they work for construction, they work for farms, they work for agriculture. They might work hard. Some of them do, some of them don't. But they're also bad people. Again, if you're working here illegally, if you're coming here illegally, you're stealing people's identity, you're a bad dude. I'm sick of hearing, oh, these are great people. No, that's why they commit an, an inordinate amount of crime. And by ensuring that they can't get a job, which, by the way, is the law, which, by the way, was the foundational agreement in 1986 in return for amnesty for 2.6 million people. Instead, we get no enforcement of the work, workplace uh, enforcement and another 15 million uh, or so illegals to boot. This, this point needs to be drummed in time and again. Needless crimes. Needless, needless crimes. Anyway, we're about out of time here. I need you to send this show to 50 of your friends and relatives. Play it at your Thanksgiving dinner. Heck, you know, Actually, no, I don't want to you know, get politics involved in that. I think it's time for family. But, um, you know, having guests over the weekend, staying over, make sure your friends and family understand that there actually is one independent conservative show out there espousing classical conservatism that is willing to stand up for the voice of the victim of crime, victim of illegal immigration, the, the American taxpayer who is, who is being fleeced by our government doing everything it shouldn't do and the few things it should do, national security-wise, public safety-wise, doesn't do. And everyone else is distracted. We're going to keep plowing away. Sorry for the shorter week. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Till then, God bless you all. 
and thank you for listening.